With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening. Welcome to Elder's Targeted Individual Community Call. It's Tuesday, August 4th, 2015. So now that I'm in a place, I have a little more privacy, so I'm going to start recording some shows as they go along in generally real-time or whatever's transpiring during the course of the targeting in this uh, new community that I'm living in on the Monterey Peninsula. So um, I took my stuff out of storage, and I got to see Renata, which was nice, because I saw another target, and we were able to talk and have some lunch. Um, But I also got a job at a company called Robert Talbot, and it was okay because they needed to train me. And I, I can I can guarantee that um, my predictions will probably be pretty accurate as to how the standard operating procedure works and the uh, harassment that transpires at in the workplace. Uh, some of you know it as workplace mobbing or workplace bullying. Um, in in the case, it's really to make the target of the bullying or harassment look incompetent or to harass them, set them up so they'll either leave or they're made to look as if they don't know what they're doing. And in my case, I do know what I'm doing, Uh, learning some stuff, but I do know what I'm doing. And they know that I know what I'm doing. So um, it started up, they do these little things because uh, initially it was a lot of the triggering with the post-hypnotic suggestions um, tied to triggers, like they'll touch their hair or something so that they could try to trigger you. Those are already preconditioned generally through uh, vibro uh, or infrasonic, uh, the transmission of sound through vibrations, generally through infrasonic or ultrasonic. Um, And what it does is like, uh, what do they call it, bone conduction. You can look up the terminology for bone conduction technology. There are several YouTube videos. Um, it started with the cochlear hearing implant where it util- because basically, and I've said this on several recordings, you don't actually hear the words that I'm saying. Each word is identifiable in the brain through the vibration. The vibration is translated into the brain as a recognizable word. So a lot of times you'll see people with hearing loss uh, or, or were born deaf and if they're older, it's much more difficult for them to utilize a cochlear hearing implant than, say, a child who was born deaf or someone who was a hearing person who lost their hearing because in those cases, um, well, for a deaf child, it would be you're teaching them from the beginning how to recognize the vibration that translate into the brain as a word or in the case of someone who already had hearing and lost their hearing, they can recognize words. Um, it's kind of like me trying to learn it when I was trying to learn Italian. I learned how to read Italian. So what happened was in my brain, I guess you would call it, I would pronounce the words the way I thought it was, but in reality it was actually pronounced differently. So I could read many of things in Italian, but when 
to speak it or to hear someone speaking it, it was not pronounced the same. I knew what the word was. I knew what the verb was, but it was hard for me to recognize it because I had taught myself to read, and that was probably a mistake. So you should really learn how to speak the language before you learn how to read it, uh, unless you're doing subtitles on a movie where you're listening to them speak and then you're reading the subtitles. So that's kind of similar um, to what happens with those with hearing losses. So they do a lot of what I call the uh, subliminals, generally during sleep, usually in the theta state, when you are at your most hyper-suggestive. It's like between wake and sleep. And that's when they start transmitting the vibrations. Usually you can hear the resonance, that buzzing hum that you hear. is usually an, uh, it's hitting the building, and it creates a vibroacoustic effect which is very dangerous and damaging to the human biology. But you can also transmit sound, words, etc. And they're to the point where they can digitally code a lot of stuff so that it might be beeps or something that is translated into the brain as a recognizable word. So what happens is when you're in the work, like me, when I'm in the workplace, they use the triggers in order to trigger me. But of late, and I noticed this from, uh, it was my one month, I guess you call it evaluation, and my job as the clerical person, you know, I, I understand what I was supposed to do. That was what I was hired to do, the responsibility. I was asked, you know, hey, when they go on vacation or, you know, start learning these other things, which is fine, I don't have a problem with it, but again, I've only been there a month. So it was satisfactory because you want, to, I guess, it was just, oh, well, we need to show it like this, even though it was admitted to me that I know my job which I was hired to do. The other things that I'll do will be to, like, if I can, step in or do some assisting, mainly with the supervisor when she's not there. So I noticed of late that starting today, um, with an attempt that was there before she left on maternity leave, she and I worked on trying to reconcile this one particular account. And so we actually created a brand new spreadsheet to match up what the vendor said based on what what the company had paid. And so they said, oh, well, wait a second, this is not reconciled, so therefore you need to reconcile it. And when I went into the account, that piece, that Excel document had suddenly disappeared. And so right off the top, it was automatic for me because I've already been down this road. So instead of reacting, I just sat there and kind of said, you know, I'm not going to panic because I already know that it was deleted or it was removed or hidden by someone within the workspace. So it's not my problem. I'll do what I can to get the job done, but by removing that spreadsheet, but I had also placed it somewhere else, figuring that they would probably do something like that. So I went on a search for it, and I was able to get it to a point where we had worked on it, but we hadn't quite completed it. So all I had to do was fill in some more information. But it was it was the it's the, the way the supervisor started to talk. You know, it's like you don't understand what you're saying, and it's these type of demeaning things where I already know what I'm talking about. I know what I need to do, and yeah, I'll make mistakes. I've only been there 30 days. I don't know hardly anyone who could walk into a job and within a certain uh, period of time you're like a professional or you're you know completely adept at what you're doing, and so. It's kind of interesting because you're starting to see that negativity type of thing. And I could tell that they knew what they were doing because the supervisor walked up to the controller and she was, trying, she was laughing. And she knew that they knew what they were doing in those moments. And I knew what they were doing. And that's why I'm recording this show is to expose that. Because, see, I don't care who you are so much as if you are going to deploy 
the operations that are tactical operations because pressure might be put on you because there's a financial incentive for the company, etc. You have to understand that for me, I don't let anyone get away with doing that, especially when I know it was done deliberately. So uh, little things have been going on, and I just pass it off. But when you start getting, uh, when you start trying to demean me in the workplace, well, then I have a little bit of a problem with that. So needless to say, um, it's it's happening. But I realize that they need. I think they need to do that because this way, now that the other site knows that I've moved into a place, so I have a financial obligation, and I moved all my stuff out of storage, then they figure they can step everything up including in the workplace, to try to make me look incompetent, even though, you know, how can you be an exceptional at one point and know that you know the job that you were actually hired to do and then that you would take on certain things, you know, when when it was necessary and it's a little more detail-oriented. And so to say, you know, you don't know, well, of course I don't know, but I'm learning and I think that all of you guys know that it's pretty good for someone who you guys know is being targeted the way I'm being targeted, and they do know in the workplace, some of those individuals, that you should be absolutely blown away that a target can walk into work after being tortured in their privacy of their home and still be able to do the job that they do. That goes beyond exceptional. That's downright amazing. And so anyway, today I started picking up on it, you know, that the little hostility that's starting to come out. But... It's more like, okay, now they're being cued. Let's be a little bit more hostile towards her and see how she reacts. And my bottom line is, you know what? I'm just going to go there and do my work. Hopefully, I don't make a lot of mistakes, but people, you know, you can transpose something or whatever. You get sidetracked. So I don't consider myself perfect. But by the same token, don't come at me like that or don't try to be, uh, she's vocal now. She's starting to get that vocal abusive, like, Oh, you're just not understanding, and blah, blah, blah. And then she's trying to get all mad. And I'm thinking, well, most of the stuff that I do actually is really at a higher level where a, a supervisor would actually be the one to, to do a total reconciliation when there's that high of a discrepancy. And so we did, the, we did the reconciliation. We gave her the paperwork and then told her, this is the amount that you need to credit, you know, put in the system so that we'll balance with each other between vendor and 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 the, and the company that I work for. So somehow that number was all skewed. And so now I have to go back to all the paperwork and try to recreate some of it so we can clear out some of the other portions of it, <laughs> which I thought she had done when we turned over the paperwork. So needless to say, it's just one of those things where we're going to start doing that. But I'm going to let them know that I'm going to record my show so that I'm documenting, documenting it on the date and time. So anyway, that's what's happening in the workplace. But like I said... That, that's the progress. The, that's the progression of what they'll do. Now that they know that I moved into a, a, another place and that I'm, I have a financial obligation and they know that I also got work, their first line of attack will be, well, let's start making her look incompetent so hopefully she'll lose her job. But see, I already know I'm not incompetent. That's the difference. And I don't doubt myself in the workplace because I know I know my shit. So when these things start happening, I know that it's orchestrated. They think that I don't realize it, but I'm sitting here on this call letting them know that I've realized it for a very long time since the day I walked in there. But I didn't have the privacy to start recording again to start documenting all this stuff. 
So that's in the workplace. <clears throat> now, on another situation, I just went out yesterday to also hook up the internet, so I went over to Comcast, and it started off with, um, I was trying to get the online deal, or a deal that was online, it was $39 for basic cable, I think, and internet service for $39.99 a month. So when I tried to apply online, I was defaulted to this chat log that would not allow me to simply go into the Xfinity website and start filling out the paperwork, you know, online paperwork to have um, a service person come out and start my service for internet. So then I decided on Monday after work that I would go over there, go over to the Comcast store, and then um, just get internet and this this uh, special. Well, all of a sudden, and this was funny because it was on Saturday or Sunday when I Sunday Saturday, and so it was still a deal. So apparently they said August first, you know, the the um, promotion is gone. So then I said, okay, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I wasn't going to talk to someone in chat and give them my, the last four digits of my social, blah, 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 because a lot of stuff is compromised. So I would like to, you know, get this deal. So the manager at first, you know, you could tell he was trying to make it look like he was giving me a deal. So it started off with, I'll give you, you know, the c- cable and Internet, and then you will have um, for 12 months for thirty nine ninety nine. But at the end of it, everybody pays $15 more to go on the regular plan. But in my case, I would be charged $5 a month more, you know, from that point forward. And I said, wait a second. If everybody gets the deal at $39.99 and after 12 months, they only pay $15 more for the regular package, why then would I have to start paying $5 more per month for the same package? I mean, it was just an argument that started happening. So I got another target, and we were on the phone, and that person was on speakerphone, and I, we were going back and forth and back and forth. Finally, I just ended up getting Internet service. So they gave me the router. I brought it back here, and they gave me the information to set it up. Well, now I have to wait till at 7, which I have to get off the call, um, because I'm going to have to uh, speak with Apple because something's going on with the router. They completely – it's defaulted at what's called a 10 – it's 10 – Point zero point zero point two, and apparently that is just a standard router IP. So what I know about Xfinity, and I actually documented it on YouTube, is that they generally have a number like one eight five dot one two two dot one dot one dot five or whatever, you know. And so my this IP address is a default IP, and it should, uh, Comcast has a jumping IP which means the IP address will change periodically so that it's no, 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 never on the same IP address. Mine is refusing to move from this generic. It's called generic IP. So I started reading up on them and like, why is this Comcast router stuck on a generic one? Well, when you have third-party interference or man-in-the-middle interference, they wanted access to this router and by placing me on, it was called admin, was the username, and the, the password was password. Anybody could have logged in at that point in time and gotten full access to all the router capabilities. So I sat there going, so anyone in the surrounding area, which we have a lot of perpetrators in neighborhoods, obviously they did it so that it would compromise me in those moments. So now I can't, my, it's actually blocked me from my own desktop in controlling how I want my Wi-Fi to be utilized. So now I have to make a call. So Apple's supposed to be calling me tonight so that we can clear this stuff up. 
So once again, you know, you get service, and then the first thing they do is that you got these men in the middle, third parties, and then right at the end, because I recorded the whole thing, right at the end of it, you hear someone in the background going, okay, everybody laugh when I count to three. One, two, three, and then everybody started laughing in the background. So right away, I knew that it was perpetration. So I think I'm dialing Comcast because I should legally be able to do that. If my phone transfers to a third party who's messing around because they're being given criminal access, cyber terrorism access, computer network exploitation, computer network attack, and electronic warfare capabilities, then that's a felony on them. So instead of, instead of saying, you know, let it go, I was able to document for the first time showing the IP address being defaulted to their, their party and not to the Comcast jumping IP. So that's something now that has to be discussed. So what I'm doing is I'm documenting all the things that are transpiring. Anyway, I thought I wanted to talk about that. And then, um, so I'm going to read something because I'm sure most of you guys have already uh, um, talked, uh, you know, we've already talked about it. I know Renata, she talks about it a lot because she gets it at her work. I, I did too. But, you know, in the days when I was at Sony Pictures Entertainment and they did this to me, I had no idea what the hell was going on. So it scared the shit out of me. It terrorized and traumatized me in the workplace. But see, now, all these years later, I can pick up and I can spot who the people are, who are doing it, who are taking advantage of the tactics, the techniques, you know, like to trigger you or whatever, and also the workplace type of, you know, sabotage. See, my bottom line is I know that I'm not incompetent. Renata knows that she's not incompetent. Any other target out there knows that they're not incompetent. But we, but once you're in the workplace, everybody gets it. So you need to understand what it is. So I, I posted this world of psychology, and it's called Bullying at Work, Workplace Mobbing is on the Rise. This is a three-minute read, and I've done this one before, and I think other targets have uh, um, also covered this. So there are people, uh, especially the ones who are working, but I know that one target uh, in particular, she does talk about it a lot. That's Renata and she has a show on Sunday. So she does talk about this quite a bit because it is, it is pervasive. And when you start doing things to try to make someone look incompetent, you better believe that the first thing I'm going to do when I walk in the doors is I'm going to fire up my show and I'll be talking about it. So this is, again, the world of psychology, um, bullying uh, at work, workplace mobbing is on the rise by Sophie Henshaw, uh, DP, uh, D-Psych, so it must be doctor of psychology. Mobbing is bullying on steroids, a horrifying new trend whereby a bully enlists coworkers to collude in a relentless campaign of psychological terror against a target. So again, mobbing is bullying on steroids, a horrifying trend, new trend whereby a bully enlists co-workers to collude in a relentless campaign of psychological terror against a hapless target. <clears throat> Targets are usually anyone who is different from the organizational norm. Usually victims are competent, educated, resilient, outspoken, challenge the status quo, are more empathic or attractive, and tend to be women aged 32 to 55. Targets also can be racially different or part of a minority group. The target receives ridicule, humiliation, and eventually removal from the workplace. 
It leaves the victim reeling with no idea what happened or why. It takes away a person's safety in the world, in the world, dignity, identity, and belonging, and damages his or her mental and physical health. The effects also radiate outward towards the target's partner, family, friends, and even community. Because an employee is being targeted and criticized, he or she may have been uh, may have been uh, may be seen as a trouble troublemaker by others and thus be ignored and isolated by otherwise okay people. Former allies can thus turn against him or her, and he is left socially isolated. They think, well, he's being criticized by management. There must be something wrong with him, and I don't want to be targeted by the same brush. Gossip and innuendo spread behind closed doors before the target is aware of what's happening as previously loyal co-workers are enlisted to provide personal information that substantiates damaging rumors. Often the person instigating the mobbing is emotionally immature and threatened in some way by the target. People with personality disorders often employed tactics such as splitting which pits members of a team against each other in order to exact revenge against a perceived slight or insult by the target. At least 30% of bullying is mobbing, and the tendency is rising. In Australia, a government inquiry revealed that calls about workplace bullying had increased by 70% in three years. Statistics show that bullying affects one in three employees What is really worrying is that one in two have witnessed bullying but have done nothing about it. Moreover, the actual incidence of bullying is likely to be much higher for every case reported. Eight to 20 cases are going unreported. So it's Sour Brack, 2012. There must have been an article. Mobbing is more likely to occur when a number of workplace factors are present, understanding What they are can help to protect yourself from staying in or taking a job in a toxic organization. For example, certain industries facing increased financial pressure because market demand is on the wane are more mobbing prone. These organizations are driven by the dollar and accountable only to shareholders and directors. This creates toxic environments where managers turn a blind eye on bullying and mobbing and may even encourage it. Duffy and Sperry, 2013. Organizations that are driven by bureaucracy, for example, government departments are arguably the most toxic. They appear to have policies and procedures to ensure a safe workplace, but they will redefine bullying as a personality conflict, quote, unquote, and end up offering no real protection. In essence, bad behavior is tolerated and left to escalate. The 2012 film Murder by Proxy, How America Went Postal is a fascinating portrayal of the ultimate in toxic workplaces. In contrast, healthy organizations are accountable to a wider range of shareholders, including customers, staff, and community. They also have values that are centered on caring for others. Duffy and Sperry, 2013. The best way to deal with workplace mobbing is to increase resilience, practice self-care, and get out as soon as possible. It is often impossible to win against organizations that tacitly support mobbing. Five steps that you must take to 
ensure recovery are, one, document everything in detail. From the earliest signs of something not quite right, quote-unquote, even if it's just a gut feeling, keep a journal of all the incidents you experience. The more evidence you have, the better your recourse to legal action later. Two, give, give yourself space and time to figure things out. Seek someone in authority you can trust at work to disclose to, which most of the higher management are already involved, especially if there's a financial incentive. Seeking redress from the organization might not be safe for, might not be a th- safe first step for you to take. See a doctor for stress leave and a worker's compensation claim. That's not going to happen. So most people, when you don't know about it, that might happen. But when you do know about it, you're much more prepared. And what you do is like I'm doing, you, you come home from work, and now that I have the privacy to do a show, I will be documenting. Get a good recovery team to stop the isolation. A good clinical psychologist will help you develop. Forget the psychologist because I'm going to read another article, and then I'll open up the chat. A good clinical psychologist will help you develop recovery strategies. <laughs> Liaise with your doctor and lawyer. Write a psychological injury report and advocate for you. A good lawyer will help you initiate legal action. A good doctor will treat bullying medical repercussions. Family and friends will understand, believe, and support you. So that's a little bit hard when you're a target because they also enlist the help of either corrupted law enforcement, corrupted doctors, corrupted um, lawyers. And so by the time you get to them, they're usually compromised. As far as family, some people have family that do it. Others have family that sort of know about it. Others have families that are hardcore. So, you know, it depends on what what you are as a target and how it happens. So a lot of times finding these these chats or these targeting shows that don't talk about aliens and reptilians and, you know, supernatural and really focus on the psychological or the bullying or the mobbing or the community-based harassment, those are the type of shows that you might want to listen to because they help you to understand better what is going on. It's a high psychological operation. Uh, Four, make self-care a priority. Focus on what you love. Engage in a daily spiritual practice and follow a good diet and exercise plan. Five, engage in meaningful life activities. Set new goals. Undertake creative pursuits. Focus on fun and laughter. So it's a three-minute guide, and um, I'll re-put all the links in. To this, but I wanted to go over this because there, there's, it, it, there are different aspects of it, and people get bullying in different ways. Um, when one doesn't work, then they'll try another tactic. Sometimes you'll be bombarded by several different tactics, and you just have to be aware and just kind of keep focused on what you need to do, and that's what I'm doing. <laughs> they're going to find ways, and they're going to look for every little thing so that they can point it out and be loud about it because what they're trying to do is to demean you in the workplace. So I'm aware of it, and instead of being silent or or being terrorized, I know that the tactic is happening. I know that there's a financial incentive that uh, was probably offered. And so instead of being quiet about it, I need to document it. That's the first thing you need to understand. You need to document date, time, and event. So I thought I'd go over this one. I've covered it before and other targets have too, but I thought I'd just do it again um, because I wanted to let people understand what's going on. Now, I wasn't able to do this whole one. Uh, well, let me see. Let me get the one on psychologists. 
<laughs> the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times put out an opt-ed how the American Psychological Association lost its way. So this is in line with these, uh, this um, Sidley and Hoffman. Uh, it was a law firm and a lawyer who were provided information by the American Psychological Association, a.k.a. the APA, and um, they were asked to do an investigation on the several, uh, it was um, leaked emails. So upon doing the investigation, I think the, the APA or the American Psychological Association assumed that since we're paying them, they're going to be in our favor. Well, it ended up not being in their favor and that they found that much of what happened was illegal all the way to the point of possible violations of the RICO Act, which is racketeering, because they colluded, collaborated, and were funded or had gained some type of benefit to cover up or to utilize their credentials as psychologists to state that what was transpiring was not torture. You know, it's no different than when I was out there in Italy and I would start screaming because they literally were using a handheld version of the active denial, and they put third-degree burns on my tailbone. And so I was screaming, and I, it must have been someone who got concerned, and I heard the female in the background going, oh, don't worry, she's just being dramatic. They left the active denial on my tailbone too long, and it gave me third-degree burns because they were field testing it. And I found out that where I was living in, in Italy, Gaeta also has the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO. The United States military or command and control, the Mount Whitney, which is apparently the most technologically advanced command and control land, sea, and air communication ship in the whole naval, naval fleet. And then they had the Italian Navy there. So I was being targeted. I was being tortured. I would scream sometimes because this shit is painful. And so I, I remember hearing the female, whoever she must have been the handler or the trainee, telling them, don't worry, she's just being dramatic. Well, that's the same thing as saying that you're not torturing someone even though you're torturing them. And it's a psychological means by which to get people to believe a false, something that is false, to be true. So anyway, this is July 30th, 2015, the American Psychological Association, and again, this is LA Times, the American Psychological Association is in crisis. Last December, a Senate Intelligence Committee report laid bare the extensive involvement of individual psychologists in the Central Intelligence Agency's black site torture program. Then in early July, a devastating independent report by a former federal prosecutor determined that more than a decade ago, American Psychological Association leaders, including the director of ethics, began working secretly with military representatives. Together, they crafted deceptively permissive ethics policies for psychologists that effectively enabled abusive interrogation of war on terror prisoners to continue. These revelations have shocked and outraged not just psychologists, but also the public at large. After all, the American Psychological Association's Ethics Code for Psychologists governs not only its 80,000 members, but also underlies the policies of most state licensing boards. The fallout 
will be on full display next month as the APA, the world's largest association of psychological practitioners, researchers, and educators. That's why you always hear me saying state, corporate, and academia sponsored, sanctioned, and covered up. So once again, the fallout will be on full display next month as the APA the world's largest association of psychological practitioners, researchers, and educators holds its annual convention in Toronto. There, APA authorities will face members' confusion and rage during three APA Council governance meetings, a three-day tech teach-in organized by psychologists for social responsibility, and open town hall meetings. Can this soul-searching be channeled into fruitious, uh, fruitful reform? not just for the organization, but also the future of the field, question mark. A lot is at stake in the weeks ahead. The APA got into... Oh, the APA got into this mess by holding tightly to a deeply flawed assumption that psychology should embrace every opportunity to expand its sphere, sphere of influence. The APA's relationship with military intelligence dates back to its contributions in critical areas such as aptitude assessment and teamwork during World War I and II. After the 9-11 attack, the APA sought to become an indispensable source of psychological expertise for counterterrorism efforts at the Pentagon and CIA, along with other health professional psychologists, along with other health professionals, Psychologists got placed in key roles in clandestine interrogation operations. When this made headlines, both the American Medical Association and the American Psychiatric Association issued declarations against their members' participation. And that's bullshit, too, because any target out there knows how much information has been covered up by the medical profession, by the optome- you know, optometry, by the dental, all covered up. But the APA's response was different. It launched the Presidential Task Force on Psychological Ethics and National Security and stacked it with military intelligence insiders. In quick order, the task force reached a disingenuous, preordained conclusion that psychologists have an important role to play, asserting that their involvement kept interrogation safe, legal, ethical, and effective, quote, unquote. The Bush administration immediately used this made-to-order policy to legitimize and continue its abusive detention and interrogation programs. APA leaders were particularly eager to curry favor with the Pentagon. The The Defense Department was already a major source of jobs and research funding and involvement in the war against terrorism gave psychology a higher profile and opportunities to expand its reach. Psychologists were given new positions as behavioral science consultants at the military prison at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and other detention sites as trainers of national security personnel and as operational psychologists for military contractors. This was Oh, this was 
progress in the eyes of the APA leadership. And so for 10 years, the APA quashed any attempt to question its faux task force. Loosened ethics too close, uh, loosened ethics too close ties to the military or its motivation to have psychologists play a central role in enhancing interrogation. And so enhanced interrogation is simply a rebranded word for brutal torture. You see, if you change the word, then people will view it as being less abusive. Along with colleagues, we personally spent years working to expose and reverse those transgressions. Throughout the APA's leaders, APA's leaders adhered, okay, the leaders of the American Psychological Association adhered to the CIA's informal model, admit nothing, deny everything, make counter accusations after one of us, Ariago, went public with details about her role as one of the token civilians on the 2005 task force. She was targeted with character assassination. Can the APA regain its legitimacy? Those known to have colluded, covered up, or ignored the wrongdoing cannot remain in positions of leadership. Governance policies must become more transparent and democratic. Old ethics complaints may need to be re-examined. Okay, so any target, any target who was wrongfully diagnosed needs to bring that psychologist up to the board. And this is how you start clearing your name. Ultimately, a federal investigation may be necessary for adequate APA reform. And the APA's ethics code, especially as it pertains to national security settings, needs an urgent overhaul. For many reasons, it will not be as simple as just cutting ties with the Pentagon, not least because dedicated psychologists provide personnel and training services to the Department of Defense and critical care to our country's soldiers, veterans, and their families. Well, you know, I understand when you're using psychology to help someone because they need to talk about something because they went through a trauma, okay? But when you're using them as a human freaking guinea pig and you're not using them to enhance their life but to diminish it or destroy it, then you got a problem. Especially when they turn around and tell, say, in my community that they, because I told you that I was, at, I think I have said it on a show, that I was at a auto a auto zone and one of the uh, employees in there, and we were just talking, you know, and I was, we were talking about stuff, and then I go, yeah, you know, they'll try to character assassinate you, and they'll make, try to make you look mental and everything. He goes, yeah, and they'll even bring in doctors. So he knew who I was. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, to try to legitimize it, but I don't believe him. So he said he didn't believe him. But it was just the point that they will bring in professionals, credentials, people in positions of authority, power, and they will sit there and they will abuse those positions of power or credentials or expertise and flat out fucking lie about a target. So that's what you have to understand. That you should question everything. 
especially when someone comes to you and says it's okay to do the stuff that you're doing to a TI, that was bullshit. Because you already know it's fundamentally wrong, perpetrators. but substantial areas of military and intelligence work are at odds with psychologists' commitment to do no harm. Our profession has yet to address profound ethical challenges posed by national security operations and research in which the intent is to cause injury or where the targets of intervention have not consented. So right there, targets, there's two things. One, they did it to reverse engineer to take fully functionally, and mainly a lot of targets are actually very high-functioning people, and to reverse engineer them so that they become highly dysfunctional. Okay, how do you help someone by making them dysfunctional? You don't. Okay, the next thing is about informed consent. Okay, this is what the law firm found out about those emails and did not side with the American Psychological Association who hired them they turned around and said, you guys basically committed crimes. So again, but substantial areas of military intelligence work are at odds with psychologists' commitment to do no harm. Our profession has yet to address profound ethical challenges posed by national security operations and research in which the intent is to cause injury or where the targets of intervention have not consented or where actions are beyond the reach of oversight by outside ethics ethics panels. Without imposing ethical constraints in these contexts, psychologists risk further loss of public trust and the erosion of the psychological science. Psychology as a profession should not seek unbridled growth. The view is grandiose and misguided. So they have delusions of grandeur. You know, there's a perfect line in... um, Terry Gilliams, what is that one? Uh, It was with Brad Pitt, 12 Monkeys, okay? And one of the female actresses plays a psychiatrist, and there's a line that she uses in there about how the psychiatrists are the new something. You'll have to look up that line, or I'll find the line, and I'll re-quote it. But it's it's from the movie 12 Monkeys, and she makes a line about how they're the new gods. And that's how the, the delusions of grandeur. But when those delusions and those egos of narcissism sit there and they believe that it is okay to lie and say that what they're doing to say a target or a detainee is not torture. That's bullshit. Trauma is a form of torture, especially when it's being inflicted through instrumental aggression, insidious forms. So psychology as a profession should not seek unbridled growth. That view is grandiose and misguided. The effective bounds of our professional ethics and expertise must limit our horizons. After the 9-11 attacks, the American Psychological Association could have used its knowledge, reputation, and influence to promote alternatives to the tragic choices our government made. Instead, it lost its way to war, entrepreneurs, careerists, and yay-sayers. Ray Adelson is a part is a past president, a psychologist for social responsibility, and a member of the Coalition for an Ethical Psychology. Jean-Marie Arrigo, Arrigo, I think it is, 
established the APA 10s debate collection at the University of Colorado Archives at Boulder and the Intelligence Ethics Collection at Hoover Institution Archives. She is a representative of the APA Council. So this article was written by Roy Adelson and Jean Marie Arico. And I think that Democracy Now! interviewed the two of them. So you could probably go to Democracy Now! Um, but that is really important because all most targets, especially the ones that were went to the police and told them that they were being harassed by the community, and instead of listening to what they said and starting a criminal investigation, put them in the back of a squad car and, and, and drove them off to a psych ward, and it was then in turn got that innocent target labeled, you need to take these people to court. Because with all this stuff coming out about the APA, we know that they're key in having labeled targets, especially those who have been diagnosed. And they need to go against those, uh, go against those psychologists and start going after their licenses. Because part of what the law firm did was to say that, that they believe that some of these psychologists need to lose their license in each one of the states that they practice in. That's how serious the crimes are that they committed. When a law firm looks to the paperwork and says that there's a possibility that it needs to be turned over to the Federal Bureau of Investigation for violation of the RICO Act, that's racketeering. Then you know that it's organized criminal activity at the highest level. I've been saying it for years. Can you manage to get the RICO Act and the Hobbs Act in the lawsuit because that's what I'm dealing with. Organized criminal activity, state, corporate, academia, and some civilian organizations now sponsored, sanctioned, and covered up. So this is really important because there are good psychologists out there who've, who've been fighting this corruption for years. So I'm not saying all psychologists are bad, but you have to understand, if they are in your community telling you that it is okay to do the shit that you are doing to a target, you know that they belong to this group that the law firm said should be investigated for RICO violations. That's how serious the lies that they have told. Okay, and one more thing that I want to cover. Um, democracy, I didn't get to see all of it, but I noticed these keywords that were coming up. Uh, Monday, August 3rd, 2015, The Look of Silence. Will new film force the United States to acknowledge role in the 1965 Indonesian genocide? So there was a documentary that came out. It was called The Act of Killing, and that was pretty brutal. It was, uh, they were reenacting what they did to people in the Swarto regime and how neighbors turned against neighbors. So I'm just going to read you some highlights of, uh, of it, and then I'll give you the link, and then you can see it. So it says, and Adi explained to me that he was hoping to visit, he was hoping that if he could visit the perpetrators and if they could take responsibility for what they've done, he would somehow be able to reconcile himself with his neighbors, that they would, that the men who killed his brother, the men who had been terrorizing his family for half a century, would welcome his arrival as this chance to make peace with their neighbors and to take and to find forgiveness for one of their victim's 
families. I was doubtful that that would happen, but I realized that if we could show we, why we failed, if we could show what I thought uh, would happen, which is that the get defensive and angry and fearful and threaten us, and if we could somehow do this safely, we would be able to show how torn the society is, how urgently truth, reconciliation, and justice are needed. So we're talking about the Swarto regime way back in the day. And in the 21st century, these are people who, who are still living under a cer- certain form of these perpetrators that are still being allowed to get away. So, I mean, it says, absolutely not. It's too dangerous. Oh, so it says, I do need to go and meet the men who killed my brother. At first, reflectively, instantly, I said, absolutely not. It's too dangerous. There has never been a film where survivors confront perpetrators who are still in power. It's never been done before. We cannot do it. So we deal with that, and this is something that's coming down the pike. If these civilian perpetrators are allowed to get away with it, you're looking at all these other regimes where neighbor was allowed to terrorize, torture, and kill neighbor. So here's another one about neighbors. Uh, You see, if I can only meet the perpetrator, they will. And if they can accept what they've done is wrong and I could forgive them, then my children will not have to grow up afraid of their neighbors. So then Amy Goodman says, and this is actually Adi's neighbor? (coughs) And then uh, Joshua Oppenheimer says, yeah, it's their houses are within minutes of each other. And this is just, I just started hearing the word, they were saying this word, and I thought it was appropriate because targets who get a lot of the community-based harassment and organized harassment understand this concept of the handlers that come into town and radicalize into extremism, these civilians. They're not gangs like the Crips, the, the, you know, the, uh, the what, MS-13 and these groups that they try to make it look like they might be the ones doing it. That's bullshit. These are your neighbors. These are some of the pillars of society. These are people who go to church on Sunday. You can talk to targets who get targeted at churches. These are people who you work with. So it says, uh, there are not, and for a man who's only trying to have forgiveness with his neighbors, it's a sign to the, of the extent to which Indonesia is not a democracy. A democracy, of course, requires rule of law. And the most powerful in Indonesia are not subject to the same laws as the weakest, as the weakest. And in that sense, and if there's no rule of law, it's not a democracy. We have the same problem, of course, here in the United States, maybe to a slightly lesser extent that you don't. And not only, not only that, the fact that at the same at the same, because of this lack of rule of law, you have a shadow state built around the military of oligarchs, of gangsters, of paramilitaries, who, and intelligence services formerly above the law. The military is immune to civilian law. If a military commander were to order a massacre of a whole village, he could not be put on trial in civilian court. 
it would be the military would have to convene its own tribunal for him, which means the military is beyond the law. So it says, which brings me to, back to the perpetrator, one of them, the one that Adi confronts saying that I am a product of the United States. Talk more of those who are not familiar with the history of Indonesia, the modern history of Indonesia, back to the 60s and what the United States' role was. Oppenheimer says the United States provided aid, weapons, money to the military so that they could carry out this genocide. They may have been involved with masterminding or conspiring to create the events that were used as a trigger for the genocide. The excuse for the genocide which was the murder of Army generals by other members of the armed forces, but those, but those whatever, all of the CIA documents pertaining to the period of Indonesia remain classified. And we're pushing to have those Senator Tom Utah introduce a sense of the Senate resolution on the day of to the people, the terrorizing of the people. Kind of like you're on you're on the Swarto side or you're not, and if you're not, they just they just they it was relentless. But they were living under a dictatorship. I live in the United States of motherfucking America with a standing constitution and the rule of law. I don't live in a repressive dictatorship. A fascist regime, a totalitarian regime, a communist regime. I'm supposed to be living in a country that has a constitution and a rule of law. And that's why I will never relinquish it and I will continue to fight. Because I'll be damned if I'm going to let this country turn into some Indonesia or some Pinochet rule or some Mao rule. Or some Kim Jong-il rule. Because that's not acceptable. And what's the most disturbing is that the military is that corrupted at this point. So what what they're saying is that we had a military coup d'etat in this country. And they've really been running things for a long-ass time. And they're projecting the image of democracy and choice. And actually, it's not the military that took over. It's the military-industrial complex or the war profiteers. And they're creating policies and getting boots on the ground to manipulate the public to believe their motherfucking lies. This is about Swarto and Indonesia. And everything I just read is not something that a true victim of targeting hasn't thought about themselves. 
Now, what is wrong with that picture? What was the name? What was the keyword? Genocide. What was the other keyword? Neighbor. Now, who are the handlers that are radicalizing the civilian population into extremism so that they are willing to commit indiscriminate acts of violence against an unarmed, defenseless, law-abiding citizen? That person needs to be shot and killed because you execute terrorists and people who commit treason against this nation. And that's my recording for today. I started with, like I said, you know, when I worked at Sony Pictures Entertainment and they blitzed me and I had, I didn't know my head from my ass and I was scared shitless. I was terrorized and traumatized in the workplace. But in 2015, when you start doing that and when I have the opportunity, I will fire up a show. I will do something, but I will document it all. And even, like they said, in the psychological harassment, if companies are having issues or problems, especially financial, et cetera, et cetera, then this type of stuff becomes more prevalent because there is unlimited funding that you could give to other people who might think they might be struggling. And there's an incentive to do that shit in the workplace. That's motive. That's premeditation. And this is my show for today. I welcome myself back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.